Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the HR Leaders Podcast, a show where we explore the future of work with industry experts and HR executives from the world's leading global brands. We have a really, really excited show for you today. We're joined by Lindsay Bridges, who's the Senior Vice President of HR UK Land at DHL Supply Chain. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, before we jump in, uh, tell everyone sort of a little bit about your background and your journey to where we are today. I didn't expect to find myself in HR. I did a degree in uh, international shipping business, maritime law and navigation management. So about wow. as far from <laughs> HR as you could, you could possibly think. And I ended up working as um, in my first job was a first line manager for a a towage company, so bringing ships in and out of the ports uh, around coast in the UK. And I was a first line manager for them, so I was, you know, running a running a bunch of guys, talking to customers, um, you know, scheduling, planning, that kind of thing. And um, turns out that company were having uh, quite some challenges from an industrial relations perspective. And mm-hmm. um, the business decided they needed to make some change. They brought in some new management, and I, with only a few months' uh, history with them, kind of ended up being. The last person standing in the office environment who knew anything about what was going on in terms of shift patterns and pay and rotors. And um, I started to work with this new director they brought in and I got very heavily involved in union negotiations to make some quite big changes to to pay and salary in terms and conditions. That was in um, in the early 1990s. Uh, I'm working in places like South Wales, like Liverpool, like Glasgow, so quite traditional environments from an IR perspective and really gave me a, a really good grounding in in IR but I guess to be honest less of a grounding in what HR was all about which has been interesting and challenging through my later career. Yeah well, it's completely completely changed right from where yeah. we were then to where we are now it's like a completely different function a completely different role different challenges different competencies needed as well so it's been a pretty incredible journey how did the how did the first you know you've been if i'm correct at dhl for 10 years now how did that opportunity become available and so what's kept you engaged so long <laughs> well i mean actually to be honest um i've been at dhl a lot longer when you oh. added up from well because the, the businesses were acquired over time oh i see um, but you're right i've been with the dhl brand for about uh for about 10 or 12 years now but um but longer than that sort of through that logistics industry it's quite interesting i was um our sister company was a warehousing logistics company, um, part of the Ocean Group. And I remember being at an event and uh, my colleague saying, oh, Lindsay, you really need to move. You need to come into HR and logistics. Um, I've got a job. And I said, that's great. I'd love to do that. But I'm also five months pregnant. I'm, I'm not quite sure that you oh. you might want to, you know, it's not the right time. And to be fair, they were brilliant. And they said, no, no, we want you to come across and you come and join us after your maternity leave. In um, mid-1999, I basically came back to work after, after Matt leave and straight into a new regional HR manager role with the logistics business, which is you know, 21 years ago now. My daughter was 21 last month. And um, and that's been my sort of first entry into logistics back then. Wow, what a, what a journey. One of the things we want to jump into on today's show is sort of the benefits and challenges of taking international assignments, right? Uh, what was the first assignment that you took? And uh, let's sort of talk everyone through the process. Why did you take it? You know, what were the challenges you faced, et cetera? I'd always said that I wanted to work abroad. Um, and I always kind of thought I wanted to do that. My husband grew up in Australia, so he had no real ties here in England and I think wanted to go and live somewhere hot and sunny again. We had a little bit of a false start originally. And it's interesting because I find it was a really challenge 
real big challenge to overcome this hurdle. Mid-2005, I was offered the chance to go to Los Angeles and take a role there. And I'd gone out and done my look-see trip and I'd kind of got things kind of sorted in my head. We were going to go and do that. And, um, and all of a sudden it was stopped and I didn't really understand why. There was two jobs on offer to me then still here in the UK. One more of the same, more regional HR and the other two to be the HR lead for our functions in Europe. And I kind of I kind of took that one because it was something different, something I hadn't done before. And that was probably my first um, my first foray into European roles, if you like, albeit based in England. And then a few weeks later, I was working for Excel at the time, Excel Logistics. Mm -hmm. yep. And a few weeks after I made that decision, DHL announced they were going to acquire Excel. And that oh, was wow. back in the end of 2005. And I find myself in a in a really nice position that set my career up quite well because I find myself being the functional HR business partner through that acquisition. And so for four months, all I did was leading the HR work stream around, you know, there was two functions in every country in Europe and we had to figure out a way to bring those together. So when the acquisition took place, we had one structure, not two. Pretty tough role to take on then when you've got two, you're, immediately you're thrown in a defense. Really, really interesting. And that was probably the first time I really traveled outside of the UK for work. And whilst I was a bit disgruntled about the, the American rule not coming off, I understood then why not, why they put that on oh, hold given okay. the acquisition. Yeah. yeah, they probably couldn't discuss so, it at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, they couldn't tell me. Absolutely, yeah. So that was um, that was pretty interesting. And I did that um, European rule for about 18 months. and and But it was still based in England, and I was looking after functions. And I remember going to my boss and saying, I'm really missing the operational HR rule. I'm missing being a, a business partner to an operational business rather than to, to the functions. And it was then in mid-2007 that the opportunity came up to – to go to Eastern Europe and uh, to be the HR lead for what we had then was about eight countries in Eastern Europe or Central Eastern Europe, I guess, really you would call it. Yeah. And that is was that, the, is that the one in Prague? Is that the one in Prague? Yeah, that was in Prague. So I managed to, um, they, they agreed that I could live and, and base myself in Prague. So my husband and daughter, so my daughter was about eight at the time. Uh, we, uh, we prepared to, to relocate there as a family. Mm hmm how was that for you and the family because as a young dad myself and for other you know HR assistants at a show I'm sure these opportunities are going to come um you know what 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 advice would you give to them yeah and you know even before I left I do remember a panic attack one day in the office and, and bursting into tears because I got the organization chart of my team and I, I couldn't pronounce anyone's name. And it was just a complete, you know, a real kind of seems like so simple and really a bit silly, but it was such a thing. It was like, how am I going to go and run these people? Well, I can't even say and pronounce pronounce their names in Hungarian and Russian. And yeah, yeah. it's really, that was a real, a bit of a wake up call. And I must admit, Chris, there were a couple of points at which I thought I would, you know, this was the wrong thing to do. And I was too scared and I would kind of chicken out. Mm. And, um, and my husband was the one who was really pushing it. He was a stay-at-home dad. He gave up work when our daughter was born. So for him, it was what he wanted to do. He wanted to experience living in other countries. And he almost like, he got me on this escalator and I was on my way up and I couldn't get off. And I don't regret it for one minute, but I'm, I'm so grateful that he did because otherwise I think I might well have just given in to those fears that I had. I told you before the show, right, that I had mm -hmm. some international roles offered and I was yeah. too scared to take them on. So all credit to you um, to, to, to be able to, to do that. One thing I was going to ask, you mentioned when we first spoke about when you went to Prague that um, business was quite tough in terms of HR meant something different. 
Um, mm. It's very much personnel and payroll, not business partnering. So how did you overcome that? What, what kind of steps did you take? Yeah, I've been thinking about that since we last spoke, actually. I mean, it was when I went to, to Eastern Europe and the, across all of the eight countries there I looked after, the country managers viewed HR as personnel, administration, payroll, and, and really nothing else. So the thought that they might involve you in recruitment or discussions on talent just didn't didn't cross their minds, to be honest. And it was quite an immature function back, you know, 12, 13 years ago in some of those countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three things really helped me. The first was the CEO I worked for, because he just basically said anytime they came to him with anything that was, H- he was British as well, anything HR related, he said, have you asked Lindsay? And so that got them into a mindset of, oh, that's great. I go talk to Lindsay. That's, so that was really, really important. That was the first thing. The second thing was around providing some data and metrics that helped them. So turnover was really high. It was like 25% in some countries, voluntary turnover. Hmm. But they had never thought about what that might cost them as a business. So I remember doing quite a lot of analytical work on the cost of turnover and presenting that to them and saying, this is what this costs us, you know, hard hard money to your bottom yeah. line. That was another thing that made them realize that maybe there was some value. And then the third thing was, and and this was challenging, but we, we did have to upscale and, and even change some of the people in the HR function because they'd been brought in to do a different role, a, a kind of administrative kind of role. And, and in some cases, people really stepped up out of that into a much more rounded HR manager business partner role. Mm-hmm. And in other cases, they didn't. And we had to, to find alternatives. In a couple of instances, we brought in a more senior HR person, if you like, to lead the team. So that was also a, a challenging change. But I think it was those three things that began to make the difference there. To no fault of their own, right? For many of them, they, they were there to do a role. <laughs> they were doing their role. But, they yeah. were employed to, you know, to make sure people were paid on time and they got their offer letters on time, but they weren't, they hadn't been employed to think about anything different because that's really not how the business was set up. And these businesses were very, very small. You know, I mean, our business um, in Slovakia at this time was, you know, probably less than 100 people. Today it's 3,000. Yeah. So part of what I was doing was setting it up for growth as well. Part of the change was about preparing for this, you know, this growth that was coming in the future. Mm -hmm. So next role comes up in Germany. What was it about that role that said that you were like, right, the new challenge? (laughs) Bigger role. And it also reported at a different hierarchy level. So it was sitting around the global team because at that point we had they created a region of 12 countries in Europe, mainland Europe. Um, that sat on the global team. So it was a step up as well for me. Bigger role, bigger scope, bigger geography. But what was super interesting from a business perspective was suddenly I was managing country HR directors who kind of were pretty senior and knew what they were doing. And in Eastern Europe, I'd managed people who, who knew the legislation within their own country, but it was relatively small and they were relatively inexperienced. I brought more experience. When I went to mainland Europe, the lady who ran HR in Italy, for example, had probably been there 10 years. She'd been very senior. And and I couldn't add value in terms of expertise. So I had to find a way to add value in a different way. And that was was really, really challenging to begin with and, and had to learn how to question rather than, you know, make assumptions. That was quite, quite challenging for me. Yeah. Did you find that you kind of needed to immediately type, demonstrate some type of credibility amongst all of those other senior peers in some yeah. way? Yeah, <laughs> and it was hard. And with some of them, it was easier than others. And that's where some of the, the cultural challenges come into play because, yeah. you know, some cultures like to work and, and have a, a much more emotional attachment and get to know you really well as a person. And other cultures are much more direct and just want to get things done. And that was the first time, I guess, really, I'd managed 
both of those extremes. Um, You know, so I I pretty quickly figured out that I had to manage those individuals in my team in different ways, according to not just their own preference and style, but their cultural background as well. Yeah. What was the main challenge that you were, the the business segment was facing when you moved into the role? Um, I think I'm in on European business in that time. It was split out from the rest of the EMEA region that allowed us to see where we were, you know, where we were running things really well and where we had some challenges. So some of the challenges then were around our, our overhead structures, how we got fit for growth and how we could bring more flexibility into the labor that we had there. Uh, you know, quite traditional labor that maybe wasn't fit for purpose for what our customers wanted going forward. So how does HR add value? So I spent a fair bit of time working on, I did this in in that job and in in the most recent job I did in Europe before I came back to the UK, looking at organizational design, looking at blueprints, looking at spans of control, looking at hierarchical layers in the business and, and really challenging, well, if it can work this way in one country, why can't it work that way in another country? And really trying to work out what was the the optimum org model and then yeah quite honestly you know challenging the business and that and then project managing some of that through um to make sure that we were really delivering what we said we'd deliver we were talking before the show as well because i always assumed and people may assume that it's quite easy to then come back to the uk back home but it's actually anything but (laughs) it seems Everyone I talk to says that's really difficult. And you're right, that's counterintuitive. You're coming home. I mean, there's some, yeah. stuff, some stuff that's great. You know, I can understand what people are saying to me in the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what food I'm buying. I'm not going to make a mistake. But but actually you find, or, or we find certainly, that people's lives had moved on and we weren't a part of that. And so you, it's not as easy just to slot back in. But no, we came back and we chose to move house teenage daughter no natural way into the community and then what you realize is everyone's got a life and their life has got the routine they visit their mum on the sunday they go out with their their sister on a saturday or whatever that might be and when you're an expat nobody's really got that routine because everyone's in in that stage of move and that does make life easier in terms of moving when you come back home it's much harder and quite frankly no one's really interested that you spent your last 10 years living abroad and done all these wonderful, exciting things. You generally <laughs> not. And that's really hard because that was my life. Yeah, um, yeah, you want to talk about it and share yeah. and people are like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and other expats are interested. So when you yeah. move in expat circles, everyone's interested. You go back home and it's like, yeah, okay. And and people don't mean anything badly by it. They're just, it's out of their world. And, and that's, it was tough. Moving back was tougher than either moving to Prague or Germany, for sure. Well, just to sort of summarise, and for everyone who's just either just tuned in or listening now, kind of what are the sort of main benefits uh, of 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 taking international assignments, uh, and then you know what are some of the things that you think people should look out for um, along the way? Sure, no worries. I mean, the benefits for me certainly it's. I think from a professional point of view, it's really broadened my horizons. It's given me the chance to to live in different countries and experience it, not just kind of see it superficially. I think that's really quite important. Um, It's given me the chance to work with different people and then have to reflect on my style and how I might need to change to manage different people in different ways and different cultures. I've really enjoyed that and got a lot out of that. I think I've learned a lot because I think I've seen how the same thing works in different countries and, and being able to then say, oh yeah, so when you talk about interns that's the same as we would talk about work placement students so i do understand what that is and you can kind of make those business comparisons quite well 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've I've learned, and I think it really has built my confidence, as I said, in terms of yeah, no, I can do this, and it's given me a level of a assertiveness and confidence I mightn't have had before. Amazing. And I think from a family perspective, we've just loved the chance to travel and to explore, and to be to be forced into new scenarios. I think I think we're quite a close family now. And I don't know if we'd been as close if we just. I was going to ask you that. Do you feel like you're strengthened the relationship with your with your partner and with your daughter? I think so. I mean, we've been through some tough stuff and some interesting stuff, and um, and I think it probably has. It's certainly strong. If it had been the same in the UK, I just can't compare. But it certainly, yeah. it certainly is strong. Yeah. And I think some of the watchouts for me are some of the things to think about. I mean, don't be afraid. Just go for it. Um, if I had listened to my inner voice, I'd still be sitting in the UK, you know, and I wouldn't have gone. There's no doubt about that. So you just have to make that kind of leap of faith and, and trust that actually it will work out and um, and also reach out and ask for help. And sometimes we're not very good at that, but I, I think that's quite important as well. Amazing. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us on the show. Really appreciate it um, as well. Before we wrap up and I'll let you go, I'm going to jump into our, we have like a quick fire round. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to ask you uh, six six uh, questions and you have no more than 30 seconds to give us some amazing answers. <laughs> Are you ready? No then, right? <laughs> I always say it to everyone, they're like, what? <laughs> All right. What was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming a senior HR leader? My own self-confidence. Yeah. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? When you're working with another another senior female, um, it's don't try to be the best female. It's about supporting each other on that way up. It's not trying to compete. And I really, I really read that once and I really took that to heart and it made me change the way I was acting in a very positive way. Love that. Never had that one before. Love it. Oh, that, um, there you go. Yeah. What's uh, one book you'd recommend to our audience and why? Do you know, I really like Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Um, I really have, have taken a lot of thought out of that and I really would recommend that. Yes, yeah, great book that I'll copy mm-hmm. in for everyone. If you could switch jobs with someone, who would it be? I don't know. Sometimes I quite think I'd like my boss's job because then I could tell myself what to do. <laughs> don't <laughs> we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I would love to, in my early career, I did a lot of sailing and working offshore with um, with kids, taking them away on, on long ocean trips. And I would love to do that. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, if you, uh, if you, in terms of internet resources, in terms of how UK stay up to date with current events, um, sort of network benchmark, what's your go-to sort of online resources? I typically online, I use LinkedIn a lot as way of getting information from other people. And then I would take it on from there. Um, and I also love listening to Ted talks. Love it. Love it. And then, uh, last one is, uh, what's one thing about your business that you're most excited about? Oh, I'm so excited about our UK business and um, a whole process of culture change that we've recently embarked on as a UK senior leadership team in terms of how do we want to change the way we come across, you know, bring more vulnerability and humility to our teams so that we can really be the company people want to work for in the UK. Wow. We'll say that for episode two. Yeah. <laughs> As well. Well, look, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and uh, really, really appreciate appreciate that. Uh, apart from that, I'll, I'll let you go, Lindsay, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Actually, I'll see you in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, right? see you at the event in a couple of weeks. And thanks ever so much, Chris. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. No problem. See you later. Bye. Bye.